Chatter, 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 chatter. Thank you, George. You notice right on the beat there? Hello there, gang. This is Victor Joy. We got a lot of goodies there for you. Bring it up there, Lodge. Well, I have made a definite, uh, definite resolution. This is going to be the only show, with the exception of this disclaimer, which you will now hear. It's going to be the only show that you're going to hear on radio that will not mention... What is that holiday? What is this thing we're celebrating today here? All these guys marching around with these funny hats and, you know, these red noses. What was all that about today, anyway? What was that? Uh, St. Watts, Daddy? Never heard of them. Never heard of them. We are not going to mention it today. Absolutely not. I mean, because, you know, there are so many... I mean, uh, in fact, I'll tell you this. <laughs> I was down at the subway. <laughs> it was kind of silly. 422 guys were walking along down the subway down at the Times Square station. You know where the big shuttle is there? Or as uh, we in the Bronx would say, the shuttle. And uh, I'm walking through that crowd, and, and I see stuff written all over the walls, all over these uh, Levy rye bread signs. You know, all, those are prime signs for writing stuff on the walls, too. And a bunch of cops were walking along, and they had these green things. I don't know what they were, some kind of, some kind of uh, flags that they were carrying around down there and the, the subway people, you know, they're walking along just looking at the cops. The cops are carrying the green things and guys are writing stuff on the subway. And I thought, you know, <laughs> life goes on. And while I was there uh, waiting for this automatic train to begin, this is New York, you know, it's an automatic train. I was waiting for the automatic train to begin. guy comes along and he hands me a, a little flyer. You know, they're handing out flyers all the time in the subways these days, you know, like uh, Madame La Jaja or Read Your Palm. Do you have problems? Are you troubled? Would you like to have your financial worries solved? You've seen this stuff. Well, I get this little little flyer here, and here is a it's a flyer for a, for a book. It says, uh, The Revival of a Lost Art. Revival of a Lost Art in my foot. Lying. The book is called, uh, yeah... Don't be caught short in any situation. Learn, quote, how to be a good and graceful and creative liar. This book has proven to be a tremendous asset to students, businessmen, and anybody who knows that they can't get by with, quote, the whole truth and nothing but the truth. Your success in business and personal relations can depend on you learning how to be a really good liar. So satisfaction guaranteed. <laughs> and I'm reading this there. See, the cops are walking in with their little green flags and at the... I remember the picture of Mayor Lindsay when he's testing these uh, air-conditioned trains. And did you see the picture of him? It says, Tension, are you tied in knots behind his head? Yeah. And the, he didn't know that was there. That wasn't pl- you know, planned to be there. Nothing like that was planned. And uh, I'm, I'm walking. Five minutes later, I'm walking along on, by 6th Avenue. It's a beautiful street, 6th Avenue. Nothing prettier than 6th Avenue in the spring. You can see every cigar butt. You can see every beer canyon, and every bomb is etched in sharp, clean, delineated lines against the against the sunset, and I'm walking along there, digging the scene, and five minutes later, I find, would you give me a little mood music, I've got to set the mood, a little funky stuff, would you please? Beautiful. Do you want to hear a little juice there playing to that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
enough of that. Just enough. Hold it there, big Charlie. Hold it. There. That was pretty good, huh? Well, I find myself in an argument. You know, one of these really ridiculous arguments today. It's a, here it is. It's a, it's already. It's a new week. Everybody's excited. Guys pushing each other, yelling around. Everybody thinks that the head. Did you notice that there was a touch of spring in the air, friends? A touch of spring in the air today. And I might as well warn you, when spring comes along, man, I want to tell you, there's some terrible electricity goes through my veins. And this Sunday, I'm flying out high over Jersey. This past Sunday, I was. I was in an airplane. Don't be smart. I was flying in an airplane high over Jersey. And uh, I was flying this airplane. And, uh, and uh, it was a beautiful day. I mean, for Jersey, that is. And uh, you could see down there that uh, that nice, soft, blue, silver haze. There's a Jersey haze, which uh, pilots know about. They call it Jersey haze. And, uh, <laughs> and it sort of hangs about uh, 500 feet above the surface of the earth on a soft, cool, silvery, woolly blanket of haze. And through it, you can see an occasional glint of a Howard Johnson. And uh, you know you're looking down at Jersey. And... Uh, I went sailing along Route 27, and I went out along Route 22, and I drifted at 2,500 feet out over the big, uh, that big uh, water they have over there, the big, uh, oh, it's a tremendous, uh, it's where Jersey gets its drinking water. It's bad stuff. I mean, you, you can see the frogs from 2,500 feet up there, see? And we're drifting along over that, that, big, uh, that big body of water, and down below me I can see Route 22, you can see the Jersey natives. It's spring. They're out. You, can, you know, one of the things I like about spring, you're going over to New Jersey, is that you, if you stand real still this time of the year, it's a, you know, it's the mating season, and, and, and if you stand real still, they'll come out of the bushes, the Jersey natives. And uh, if you don't move at all, they, they'll come up and they'll, they'll eat right out of your hand. It's very exciting. And I'm, I'm sailing along looking down on Route 22, and, uh, you know, ah, this is my own, my native land. This is mine. I see Secaucus down there. And, uh, I see Hohokus. And uh, nothing is prettier than on a Sunday morning than to look straight down at Union City. Beautiful Union City. And uh, it's very exciting, and the whole thing. It's, it's, it's a springtime, springtime man brings a madness. And I have a little note here, speaking of Jersey. A little note here says, Flick does live. I was on my way from Union College, Cranford, New Jersey, to a meeting at Ocean City College in Tom's River. As I was driving along to the college, I saw, to my amazement, in big block letters on a gigantic water tower, Flick lives. This unique monument is located in Tom's River along with a few other poetic verses which stretch out along the highway. Everybody in Tom's River thinks that Flick is a secret black militant located in the area, but I will not let the real secret out. <laughs> he says the local Ku Klux Klan plans a paint-in to rid these propagandist words off the tower. But my lips are sealed. Shep Flick does live in grand style in Tom's River, New Jersey. Oh, do I remember one night I spent in Tom's River. Oh, man, oh, man, oh, Manischewitz. I spent the night in Tom's River. When I even think of Tom's River, my hair slowly begins to... You know, the little hackles in the back of your neck stand up like an animal. You see, like a real animal. Yeah. I'm at, I'm at Fort Monmouth. 
I'll tell you, it's, it's fascinating how innocent you can be at certain points in your life and how you'll do stuff which you would never do if you had, you know, if you had even the modicum of sense. Had some sense at all. I got this, this date, see. And I have been, without any warning, I have been shipped. I have been, uh, for a brief time in my Army career, I have been festering in Maryland, right outside of Washington, see, and I'm walking around and I'm getting these dates and I had this date with this fantastic chick for this big dance at the University of Maryland. And I was all excited and I was getting my uniform all cleaned and pressed and all bit. And it's going to be on Sunday, this big date was. You got it? And I'm walking around all excited about it. I've got my bid. I've been invited. And, uh, oh, you know, nothing is more exciting. Big college-type dance. And I'm a yard bird. I've got the... Oh, I really... And she was a great chick, see. Oh, wow. At least I thought so at the time. Now looking back on it in light of later events, I realized that that was a close call. But uh, nevertheless, she was you know, there. She was, and that she was so near and yet so far. Now men know this thing. Men, men know the madness that sweeps over them from time to time, and they can't explain it later on. But at the time when the madness is there, it is there. It is real, and you can hardly wait. Any, all every minute of the day, you got to see this chick. You got to talk to her. You got to look at her. You got to think about her. And then, you know, something, time goes on, the next thing you know, you know, you just as soon spend a while down at the Howard Johnson having a Texas Tommy, maybe, or something, say, some dull thing. And so, nevertheless, but this is life, this is life, see, this is, this is true life. I wonder, wonder what would have ever happened if Shakespeare had rewritten Romeo and Juliet. I mean, if he'd written a sequel to it, see, and instead of Romeo and Juliet getting knocked off in the end like they did, see, uh, they lived happier ever after. You know how all these uh, lady-type stories, like Rona Jaffe-type stories, in the end, uh, the music comes up, and uh, you see uh, you see uh, Paula Prentice, some great actress like that, or Suzanne Plachette, and uh, she's going off into the sunset with Dean Jones. Typical Walt Disney production, and they are being followed by their friendly Weimaraner, who has learned to speak German and now has a job down at the local college translating German chemistry textbooks. And it's so cute. And, uh, you know, it's called My Little Weimaraner. Uh, you know, the movie they made on it. So you see, this is a typical American belief. You see, the happily ever... Well, that's not only American, that's life. I mean, after all, we didn't invent fairy stories. We carried them to a little higher level, but uh, we didn't invent them. So uh, the idea being, you know, happily ever after they lived. Dump, da dump, dump. Happily ever. And you see the prince carrying this chick down from the tower, and he fits the glass slipper on her. Turns out it fits beautifully. Fantastic fit. And the next thing you know, they're in the palace there, and the band is playing, and all the couturiers, all these guys are what? Couturiers. Don't you know what a couturier is? All right, that's that's a guy that uh, does the upholstery in a palace, and it's a very important guy around the palace because they got a lot of fancy furniture and stuff. And so, nevertheless, the, the court jester, everybody sings and dances, and the Wicked Witch of the West has been squashed by the house that fell on her, uh, or the, uh, st- the what is it? There was a story I once read about a spinning wheel that blew up. Somebody named was there was there somebody named uh, oh uh, Dumplestilskin, something like that. Dumplestilskin. Was there such a character as Dumplestilskin? Anybody know about that character? Or did I invent that? Was that another one of those silly things that uh, Mrs. Oscherschlager in fifth grade invented to keep us quiet? Dumplestilskin. It's a silly name. By the way, speaking of so, this is W O R in New York. What a silly call letter for a station. Boy, you can spell that a lot of ways, friends. 
And you ought to see the way some of them spell it. They put H's and all that. Yeah, uh, repulsive. Yeah, there was a guy named Repulsive in that same story. It was, was repulsive. Repulsive, yeah. Repulsive, with an R-A-P, repulsive. And uh, they're, they're, those are exciting stories. And, and uh, I remember this uh, Dumple Stillskin had something to do with the... Yeah, Repulsive was a girl. That's right. I agree. I agree. But uh, but uh, this uh, this Dumple Stillskin uh, living in this... Uh, Palace, and uh, I think Dumplestilskin had a had a, 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 a spinning wheel. I don't recall what that was, and it was a guy named uh, Graybeard. Some named Graybeard was involved in that thing, and he he came around. And he kept hitting these chicks on top of the head. You remember that, and hanging them up by their feet or something. Oh, terrible story! I don't know what I was reading it for. A little kid, you know, and uh, uh, you know, and uh, I I got all deeply involved. There was another one too. Uh, something about the. I remember they opened up this box, and all these bats flew out. Uh, it was, uh, gee was I can't, can't remember what that one was about. I just remember, you're not supposed to open up boxes that are up in the attic of your house. You'll have bats fly out. That was a good one. That was a good one. And what about those two kids uh, that lived out in the forest, and they went out, and they found this house made out of gingerbread? That was a good story. Remember that story? And uh, what were their names? Uh, oh, uh, I, I, can remember, I can remember the boy's name, Samson, but I can't remember the, the chick's name, Samson and Gretchen. That's it. And uh, they lived out in the woods. And, uh, no, I don't think so. Andorra, was that the name of the chick that had that box? Andorra's box? It could be, yes, but I know the bats flew out. It was very exciting. All these things, of course, had a, had a deep effect on me. But, but uh, particularly Samson and uh, Gretchen, uh, these kids had this house. They looked for this, this place out in the woods, and they found this house made out of... Made out of Oh, gingerbread, I remember, it had the raisins for doorknobs and all that stuff. You know, I, if I ever ran into a house like that, I'd be suspicious of it right away. But apparently these kids were not. And they, they went in there, and, and it was this old chick living there, yelling around. She was, uh, was a real kind of a real bad mother. She was in there and, and, and uh, saying these bad things. And I think what happened was Samson stuck her in the oven, didn't he? Baked her? Kind of, you know, with a little wild rice on the side? And uh, I thought that was kind of bad scene because, you know, I mean, just because she was old and lived in a house made out of, made out of gingerbread, you shouldn't do that kind of stuff. But nevertheless, uh, Mrs. Oscherschlager thought that was a good story. Now, I don't know what I'm telling you this for, except that, you know, we're all products of the mythology that we live in, which uh, reminds me, uh, speaking of mythology, the most important myths of our time, of course, can be found in the commercials. If you will, please, Uncle George, hit that hard. <laughs> Come on, bring it up big, George. This is a commercial. Hey, listen, fellow victims. Eastern One, the all-first-class plane, now flies to five cities, man. Isn't that Eastern One? It's like a presidential plane, you know. Eastern One to St. Louis. Well, what a come down. It goes to St. Louis. To St. Louis, West Palm Beach. Oh, that's Bucksville. Charlotte, Atlanta, and Montreal. Eastern One, a select service for a select few. <laughs> Just 50 passengers on a whisper jet built to carry far more champagne, steaks, the whole bit, a boarding lounge, faster baggage handling. It's one long orgy all the way to St. Louis on the Eastern One. The first, all first-class plane to St. Louis, West Palm Beach, Montreal, Charlotte, Atlanta, Eastern One. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. No wonder they're rioting in the streets. Dun, 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 dun. That was, yeah, I tell you. <laughs> hey, speaking of riots, friends, tomorrow night, now don't forget, speaking of riots, tomorrow night, guess who, live, presented by Alpha Series, 
I'll be as live as a bird, telling rotten stories, hitting people, yelling around, blowing my bazoo, and that will be tomorrow night at Fairleigh Dickinson. I'm glad you wrote it down right for a change. It's going to be at Fairly with... Fairly ridiculous. I'm sorry, it slipped out again. Fairly Dickinson University at Madison, New Jersey, the garden spot of the Garden State. Tomorrow night, it's a Tuesday night at 8 p.m. The Recreation Building. Now, don't call up here to ask for tickets. He's, you yucks, you idiots, call up here all day long. You wind up with tickets for the Arlene Francis show. That's what you're going to get. I'll show you. No tickets. All tickets are available at the door. That's 8 o'clock. So you get there early, come one, come on. You can stand out there and scalp. All the tickets and scalp them, some little jerk. <laughs> you know, it's going to be doing that. You watch. That's uh, tomorrow at 8 o'clock. Fairly, Redi- Fairly Dickinson University. It just comes right out. Madison, New Jersey. The Madison campus. And you watch. Klutzes are going to show up at the Teaneck campus. Watch them. Uh, thought you said the Teaneck campus. Now, why did I say it? They're going to hear it. Okay. I repeat, it's going to be tomorrow at the Madison campus, Madison, New Jersey. Your satisfaction is not guaranteed. Bump, ba dum bump. You proceed at your own risk. Bump, da dum bump. Well, all right, now. Now, what kind of nuttiness is this? Wait a minute, wait a minute here. I'm getting a call from my producer here. My producer just wants to... Yeah? There... Oh, there will be a special surprise attraction? Well, there will be. Well, this is a surprise to me, honey. A special surprise attraction there will be there. Come and see Shepard. Get busted right on stage, live, at stereo. Oh, yeah, that happened to me. Do you remember the time down at Washington Square? How many of you remember the big mill down at Washington Square with the tiny three-inch kites? Any of you there? I was busted. Do you remember we were all down there at the uh, the big uh, waiting pool? It was a Saturday, and all of us showed up with their little kites... And the next thing you know, that big green car with that big light, that big U-light, that big flashing light shows right up. He says, in the car, buddy. Right in front of everybody. I probably, That was one of the most public busts, seriously, since that chick down in the... That one down there in Wall Street. You remember her? Or something there. Whatever happened to that chick? You remember her? You remember that? Remember that one? That madness that swept? I guess she's back in the file department now. You know, she can fit. I guess she's there. But that, <laughs> nevertheless, uh, uh, here I am. I, I must con- confess that tonight... Hey, listen, the, before we start confessing, it's uh, still a little early yet before we confess. May I have a little bit of this tab, please? Eesh. I have a little tab. Hey, you know, uh, that's, a, that's a, a Midwestern expression you know here in, in the East. Ish. You ever hear that expression? Yeah. See, in, in, uh, the Eastern version of it is yuck. You know, yuck. That's the Eastern version. And uh, you, it, that doesn't go in the Midwest because most of the people are named Yuck out there. I mean, or Yukowski, or, you know, they, they, uh, so you can't. You can't uh, here in the East, the people go, Yuck. You, you remember when that was a big thing on the commercials? All these cute little girls going, Yuck. Well, the Midwestern version of that is O-ish. <laughs> That's silly. So, you know, you run into something you don't like, you say, O-ish. So, uh, nevertheless, these are... These are uh, I think I think we're living in a masochistic age, and no question about it. For example, I just got a letter from a guy who says, Shepard, I read your latest story in Playboy, and it's fantastic. And uh, you could tell the guy was sick. Uh, he's sick, you know, he writes sideways, and his letters kept going over backwards and all that. Oh, I, I'm, oh, I read people's handwritings. Uh, about every three or four days, I get a letter from somebody who says, Shepard, please send me a sample of your handwriting, because uh, 
I'm going to read your character in this handwriting. I've never done it. I never said my... No, no, nobody's going to read my character. If you're going to read my character, listen to me, man, that's all. It's right there. It's out there for everybody to see. I am not sorry. I'm a little bugged, but I'm not sorry for what I am. I have no regrets. What am I going to do, you know? I mean, it... all right, so I didn't grow up to be Ted Klazowski. Either did you. Don't laugh. Okay. I don't see you singing like no bird either. Right? And I'll tell you this, I can play my juice harp better than you can play that rotten accordion you play. Out there. I mean, half, half the guys I know in Madison Avenue sit around and play banjos. Bad. Bad banjos. Bad banjos. You know, they wear these pony straw hats and pretend like they're out of an 1890 jazz band. Forget it. I play an honestly bad juice harp. I'm honest there, you know. I like honesty. You know, speaking of honesty... Tonight, I'm sitting in this Chinese restaurant you know, with this guy and uh, Madison Avenue type. Great guys for sitting there. At just early tonight, we're having dinner in the Chinese restaurant. Now, I don't know what it is, this masochistic time. He starts telling me how rotten he had it, you know, with a, with a look of satisfaction on his face. He's telling me how bad it was in his school where he went to school. Oh, boy, it was bad. And he goes on and on. You remember the days when guys used to talk about how great their schools were? <laughs> you know, well, I want to tell you, I, I, I told him a story. I finally, I finally silenced him, see, because, I mean, anybody that knows anything about the uh, steel mill area of the Midwest, he knows something about hell, that guy. I mean, it, it, there's, there's no way to parallel it with any place like around here, you see, because no matter how bad the area is around here, you're always an hour and a half from the ocean, at least, Jones Beach, you know. Whereas, if you were living in Hammond, Indiana, you were an hour and a half from Gary. And, uh... <laughs> and if you were in Gary, you were two hours and a half from probably the worst town ever in the whole history of the world. And I went to school briefly in this town. It was a terrible, fantastic town. If it's a town, in fact, I'm going to give you a... I'm going to put you on your metal, see, metal. Uh, you know how, how uh, whenever you see a Doris Day movie... There's, there's, there's a lot of misconception that Americans have about America. And one of the misconceptions is that the Midwest is like the sets and the life that people live in the Doris Day movies. They believe that. They really do. Oh, yeah. They, they. And whenever you say Indiana, people think of barefoot boys with cheeks of tan, with a fishing pole over their shoulder. Right, gang? Right. That's Indiana, right? Well, I'm going to tell you, out in the Midwest, when you mention New York... They always think of Fred Astaire dancing on a piano with Ginger Rogers. That's the way it is right here in Manhattan, right, gang? <laughs> Nothing but, uh, you know, romance glamour and uh, Gene Kelly singing uh, you know, singing songs like uh, Get my regards to Broadway and uh, say hello to Herald Square. Oh, give my regards to old Broadway and tell them I'll soon be there. Pretty good singing, right? Huh? Jack Oakey couldn't have done it better, right? Well, all right, that's that's not the way. We know that. I mean, you, uh, can you imagine walking along Times Square tonight and holler, give my regards to Broadway, la-da-da-da-da, Herald Square, oh, give my regards to old... Oh, come on. That guy's sitting there and he's got that phony nose on, you know, the guy that has the, has the, uh, has the Mouseketeer hats down there and he's selling you all these obscene T-shirts and all that stuff. This is not the guy they were singing about, you know, that world. Yeah. Has it occurred to you that there, that that, uh, that that Howard Johnson, right in Times Square, is the U.S. Embassy? I mean, you know, for the Outlanders, 
I mean, they come in and they they got to have something to hang to. I mean, they walk down Times Square. So, so nevertheless, uh, I'm sitting there with this guy. We're talking about our world. And I said, listen, I went to this school one time. And it was part of Indiana University. And they had this extension campus. Now, people talk about alienation in school. They talk about the, you're being in a vast machine. Well, Indiana is, is spread all over the state of Indiana. It's, it's, uh, it's not what you think it is. It is not the college that uh, Betty Grable always went to in those old movies. You know, Center College, where uh, Tom Brown played halfback. And they did all that dancing on the library steps and all that stuff. Oh, no, no, no. This building, it's a little brick building, see. There we were, this little, this little band of searchers after truth. That we're going to school there on full-time basis. Because they didn't have space to let you in the real school. So here we are. <laughs> you know, already we're second-class citizens. And so we're in this, this little campus. Now, this town where the campus was was on on the shores, or right near Lake Michigan, about, though, maybe two or three miles away. But the town itself was built entirely. It was, inter- like, interwoven. It was kind of a... Uh, was kind of a latticework. It was built right in the middle of the most gigantic, the most tremendous refinery complex in America. And so, the whole surrounding countryside, you'd stand in the street and you'd look around, and you would see storage tanks. Well, you know how it is when you're driving along the Jersey Turnpike and you get there by Interchange 12 and you see all those tanks along. Those are refineries. Now, if you could multiply that by, say, maybe 100 and put your town in the middle of the tanks, you know how gamey the atmosphere is over there? Well, you multiply that by about 5,000 and the atmosphere is so gamey, it's like you're living in a tremendous sea of rotten cabbage. And once in a while, out of the uh, surface of this rotten cabbage, a bubble would burst of uh, ancient primal methane gas. Goop. 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 Oh, the air was so gamey in this town that uh, actually there were times when people were afraid to strike matches just in the air. The whole town would go up, you know, just out of spontaneous combustion. Oh, sure, you could go out there. Have you ever seen an octane meter? You know what is it, an octane meter? Well, an octane meter is a meter that they use to, to determine the octane of, uh, of gasoline. And it tells you how much uh, combustibility and so forth is in this fluid. Well, there was a rumor around there that on certain days, when the temperature got to be a certain way, and the wind was blowing in a certain direction, that the octane was very, very close to uh, the standard anti-knock uh, a Texaco gas that was being sold around that area. Yeah, you, you know, you just take a lot of that gas, a lot of that air, and you put it in your tank, and you could go you know, to the beach and drive back. Your car didn't know the difference. And so I'm sitting in the classroom. You want to hear about a great classroom. Whenever you think of college, people who never went to college, they always think of college with this idyllic, bucolic thoughts about it. Because we've been very influenced by the goodbye Mr. Chips type movies. Yeah, we really have. <laughs> at, at, uh, and even now, when I, I teach at NYU down the downtown campus, these guys, they think they go to a bad scene. You know, they always, let me tell you, I remember this one afternoon. It's a beautiful spring day, just like just like now. You know, that, that you, get the, you, get the, you feel the, the, uh, the drive in you, you. The sap starts to rise in the veins. And, uh, 
You, you know that excitement that's down deep inside you. It's spring. The world is full of infinite promise. Or something. You can't quite put your finger on it. It's life. It's vitality. It's it's sex. It's everything. It's all there in one big... It's a chocolate brownie. It's the chocolate and nuts. It's all of it, you know. Yeah. It's a Barbara Streisand hitting a clinker. It's, uh, you know, it's life. It's a fist fight breaking out back at third base at Yankee Stadium. It's man and it's it's like a it's like an enormous compost heap and uh, you know life is a fascinating subject when you think about it but, uh, if you look at a compost heap you know what is it a compost heap you know it's a, it's it's a it's a pile of life is what it really is and each little individual part of that compost heap is not aware of the compost heap all that little microscopic uh, organism knows is that it's swinging man <laughs> you know that's all it knows I mean, if you ever, I remember when I was a kid, I had this uh, this microscope that I got for my birthday, and uh, this microscope is only a little microscope, you know, and, and you put a drop of water. How they always say, look at the, all the the protozoa in the drop of water, and I get the light bulb on it, and I look at the protozoa, and I see all these little animals swimming around, and they, you could see them, you know, they really could, little animals with whiskers and mustaches. And there was one that looked like my uncle Tom. I used to see him in there all the time, and and uh, all these little animals swimming around, and I used to wonder what they thought. That's what I thought. You know, I was wondering what, what they thought. I mean, <laughs> I mean, you know, what 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 life was like if you were a protozoa. What you thought? Well, of course, uh, there is a certain body of opinion that feels that we are protozoa, only we don't know it. The protozoa doesn't know it either. You know, he, he doesn't know it. He's protozoa. He figures that he's the highest epitome of uh, of life. And so, uh, I'm sitting in the classroom there, and there were were. Uh, we're pursuing truth. I, I, I don't recall exactly what the class was. It was some esoteric class like uh, the English derivation of, uh, of standard English phrases from the ancient languages. Something, you know, really zingy class like that. We're sitting there, and I'm half asleep, and the professor's droning on and on and on. And I remember the day. Yes, it was that class. And he was, he was, uh, he was dissecting the word camera. Now, uh, you know, I, it's funny when you can remember a specific class, one specific day in a class, a class that meant nothing to you, really, except that deep down inside you, it is buried like some seed growing. At that day, I remember that class and this professor. He was sort of a gray man, a serious little guy. You know, the kind of guy who, who lives from crossword puzzle to crossword puzzle. That's what his life is about. And he loves to work uh, double cross-sticks and that sort of thing. That's his biggest kick of the week. And so, uh, you know, getting the New York Times so we can get that puzzle going. And so he's up there droning away, and I'm drifting off. And there was a chick, I remember, in this class at that time that I really was really was hung on. And her father was a dentist. I don't know why I was hung on, but she had a sort of a fat face. And uh, for some reason or other, her name was Betty Lou, Betty Lou Morrison. And Betty Lou Morrison is sitting over there, and I'm contemplating Betty Lou Morrison. See, I was directly behind her at about, uh, oh, I'd say at, a, at about 5 o'clock, you know, if you can think in terms of, of an Air Force uh, uh, terminology. I was at, at about 5 o'clock, maybe, behind, <laughs> just looking at her scene. And she was outlined against the, uh, the windows at these Venetian blinds, and the professor is going on and on, and he's got camera written on the, on the blackboard. 
and he's got all kinds of Sanskrit words written all over the board with K's and and uh, umlauts and little ding dongs all of you know how these Danish words and all that stuff and he's going on and I at the now if you take this word and if you take a look at the at the uh, ancient uh, Insdic language which was spoken for less than 250 years on the shore of the Mediterranean blah 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 and my head is drifting off I'm looking at Betty Lou and uh, she was a lot to look at Betty Lou she had the tremendous displacement uh, Betty Lou had a low specific gravity. I had a feeling that if Betty Lou was ever thrown into the lake, she would float infinitely. She had tremendous, uh, you know, she was billowy, that kind of a chick. And I was looking at Betty Lou, and, and uh, they were droning on and on. I was a GI type, see, you know, sitting back there, bored out of my skull, and uh, dreaming and thinking about these guys. That uh, And I had a copy of Esquire, I remember, I had a copy of Esquire, the spring a school wardrobe issue, <laughs> you know, they always have that, that uh, oh, that idyllic life that they lead in, the, in those uh, wardrobe ads. You notice the, the pictures like they show in Playboy or in, in uh, Esquire. It always shows these guys standing with sheepskin coats and bronze faces sort of painted orange, and you see the leaves turning behind them, and you see this ivy-covered wall behind them, and uh, one of the guys is quietly lounging on the hood of a Maserati uh, 1250cc uh, modified race-type uh, Grand Prix, and uh, there are, you know, this this is the world that is presented. They never show you a giant demonstration. You know, this guy's wearing his new demonstration coat. You know, that will ward off slings and arrows and stuff like that. And uh, so they never show the archetype of school, where you look out of the window and you don't see any ivy. You just see the you see the refineries all around you. Nothing but tanks, and you see these big. You know what a cracking plant is, friend. You don't, huh? Well, how come I know all this stuff? I wish I didn't, but I do. If you drive along, uh, if you drive along the turnpike, have you notice that big thing that looks like a big Christmas tree with all the lights lit up all over it? Yeah, it's high. It sticks up seven, eight stories in the air. You see, and there's usually a big flame coming out somewhere near the top of it, and it, uh, it's got lights all over it, pipes. It looks like a gigantic pile of pipes. Well, that's a cracking plant, and uh, cracking plant takes the raw petroleum and it cracks it and makes it into its various components, like. Uh, petroleum, or rather like, uh, say, uh, wax, uh, kerosene, high-octane oil, benzene, benzol. It, uh, you know, it's a big steel is what it is. And here they were all, and boy, are they stinky. That's what makes the smell. They're cooking that stuff, see. And uh, that stuff drifts up into the air. And uh, you could smell the flytox division. Right outside of our window, they were making insecticide, <laughs> you know, that they make out of petroleum. And so I'm sitting there looking at Betty Lou Morrison, and I'm smelling the fly tox. And this guy's talking about camera in Hakka conch, Sanskrit est, spittle lauk, and he's going through the derivation, and I'm half-heartedly making a few notes. I keep writing uh, camera down, spelling it with a K, and I'm looking at Betty Lou Morrison. You know, that drifting and dreaming quality. And I got this copy of Esquire. And here's a picture of the uh, splendid chappies at uh, Princeton and what they will be wearing for the, uh, for the, fall, for the fall semester. And dreaming, oh boy, look at that. Those guys are going to a real school when all of a sudden it happened. All of us are sitting there working away and dreaming along. And it's the middle of a very early spring day and it's beautiful. At, at least beautiful for that part of the country because you see uh, it was the first time you could actually suspect that behind that gray swirling mass of clouds and smell there was a sun it was trickling down when it happened it just was at first innocent you know the worst things are innocent 
just a little sound. But we all knew, because all of us had grown up in that area. Just a sound. It went, bump. That's all. It didn't go off with a roar. You know, the world will end with a whimper. It went, bump. Sort of a, it's like somebody has taken a big, wet dishcloth and has slapped it right in the middle of a bass drum. And everything hung there for just a second. And then the light in the room, which was the gray, milky spring sunshine that was coming in through the Venetian blinds, suddenly changed color. It was kind of mustard yellow. Just like that. And all of us leaped up. And as one man, we rushed to the windows and looked out. And there it was. Half a block away, there was this tremendous mushroom cloud. Have you ever seen a mushroom cloud? A real mushroom cloud? Just exactly the way you see pictures of an atomic bomb. It was a mushroom cloud. A big column that went up in the air, maybe 5,000 feet. And at the top, it was flat. Real flat. Like big rolling clouds rolling outward from that, that center column. And we stood there with our with our mouths hanging open. And it was a bright canary yellow cloud. It was a spectacular cloud. And for an instant, everything just sort of hung there. And you saw this cloud going up and up and up and up and up and rolling out. And it was rolling out. You could see it now. It was covering the top of our building. You could look right up and you could see the bottom of that, of that big flat top. And you could see it extending for maybe two, three, maybe uh, uh, four miles off to the right, all around. This tremendous thing. And then you begin to hear people. See, we were up on the fourth floor of this building. And you heard people calling, You see the people running around down there. Did you see the movie the other night on TV, The Day the World Stopped? It was like that. You saw people running out of their houses. We were watching. They were running out of their houses, looking up. And you saw ladies screaming and yelling. And they were running around in their backyards, taking their laundry down. And then we saw, drifting down from the sky, was this soft, soaking, continuous downpour of raw kerosene. The entire county was being soaked with kerosene. It was an enormous mushroom cloud made out of kerosene that had gone 5,000 feet in the air. If you think you've seen smog, friends, you ought to breathe in raw kerosene. It's just drifting down over the entire county. All the houses that had been painted, all the people with the laundry, guys walking around with their sports shirts, every car within miles was covered with a thick mine sitting out there oh, in the parking lot. I was crying. I had this convertible, and it had one of these white canvas tops, you know, the time, and I used to scrub it all the time. It got top white. I could see the kerosene drifting down on it. And we just sat there, breathing in the kerosene. Everything soaked for miles around and smelling like rotten skunk cabbage. And the professor went on. Now, let us uh, take the word. Let us take the word standardize. Now, that word, and on and on it went. Every car within miles was soaked with kerosene. And for months after that, no matter what you ate, no matter what you drank, no matter where you went, you'd go to a restaurant and you'd pick up this uh, chicken drumstick, kerosene. You'd drink a glass of beer. And it came out of a bottle. 
You drink it? Kerosene. No matter what happened, it was kerosene. But the people didn't complain. Just part of life, you know? Just part of life. And oh, oh, by the way, two or three months afterwards, all the paint started to peel off of the cars because the kerosene did something to the paint that dissolved the solvents or something in the paint. <laughs> and the professor went on and on, and once in a while he'd take his handkerchief off and he'd wipe the kerosene off the top of his bald head. The pursuit of higher learning. Ah, Princeton was never like this. These little moments, these beautiful moments. Oh, I could tell you about the time that no, I don't want to tell you about that. The time one of the cracking plants blew up when we were driving over the river. I was a kid. It blew up maybe two or three hundred feet from us. And all the windows in the car just came caving inwards. The old man just drove on without a backward glance. I mean, you know, that's all part of the little hazards of life. By the way, how are you doing with your backswing, friends? Speaking of backswings, tomorrow night, Fairly Dickinson, Madison Campus, 8 o'clock, New Jersey. Tickets available only at the door. Be there. That is an assignment. That is a direct order. Be there. Be there.